Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney Magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash tiara for a free quote. The link is also included in the show notes on our website. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, producer of the PBS SoCal special, Richard M. Sherman, Songs of a Lifetime, Don Hahn. Welcome to the show, Don. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Now, the film has already premiered this past Thursday night on December 17th on PBS, and it's now going to have a national rollout, so even more, we can have even more audience members see this wonderful documentary. Can you talk a little bit about your first encounter with the music of Richard and Robert Sherman? Yeah, I'm, I suppose my very first encounter was uh, in, the, in the back of an old station wagon at a drive-in movie theater because I, we used to go to um, you know the movies it, it piled into a station wagon in our pajamas when I was about five or six years old. And um, I remember seeing Jungle Book and, and seeing all these amazing uh, characters and, and hearing all these great songs and you know it's so odd and wonderful um, that life has led me around full circle to be able to not only meet Richard Sherman but work with him and yeah it's been a long ride but boy what a what a great what a great guy what an amazing body of work he has well he he and his brother Bob had a really um, somewhat of a low profile when I first met them you know they had done uh, so much great work in the 60s and 70s with, with movies like, of course, Mary Poppins, but also uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Tom Sawyer and, um, you know, uh, Charlotte's Web. Uh, so by the time I met them, it was the, um, you know, late 80s or early 90s. They were still writing, but not as much. Uh, and Bob was living in London. Um, so I knew Richard first, and not uh, not a lot. You know, I knew him from fan conventions, or I'd cross paths with him. Of course, I talked to him and said I was a big fan of his, and he knew what I was doing. Um, so it was just great to be able to kind of meet him and get used to him. But it was all kind of at arm's length until um, until last summer when I, I went out and had lunch with him, and and I said, you know, I, I've seen you play your songbook at so many conventions and events and at the studio. And nobody's ever filmed it. Um, if, if I got a camera crew and a piano, would you show up and play your songbook for me? Um, so that was kind of what led to uh, this this uh, special we filmed. And and uh, that was when I started to know Richard really well. I mean, really, it wasn't until the last six months that I've gotten to work with him every day and what a treat it is. He's 87 years old, and he's... Um, you know, younger than most of us. Uh, in fact, age is just not a factor when you're working with him. He's just a brilliant, brilliant man. Did you ever talk about the process for him creating a song? Because it- yeah, we talk about it a lot, and he's, you know, part of it, of course, is a, is a gift he has, which is to 
um, you know, kind of understand uh, melody and have kind of a gift for turning out melody. A big part of it is that his father was, uh, Richard's father was a songwriter. And a lot of people don't know that, but he was a very successful songwriter in um, in the kind of Tin Pan Alley days, which was a era in New York in the 20s and uh, 30s when, um, you know, songwriters were sitting and batting out songs, you know, one a day and selling them and selling sheet music and making a living out of it. So Richard's dad taught him a lot about structuring a song, making it um, uh, kind of hit-worthy, uh, you know, coming up with something that was simple and catchy. Um, and then uh, the rest of it is just great collaboration. You know, they always had, um, Bob and Richard always had a great collaboration themselves. Um, but certainly during their Disney days, they had um, not just Walt, but a studio around them that was full of storytellers and people that helped them fit their songs to um, either a great attraction, like the Tiki Room or It's a Small World, um, or great movies. So, you know, that's kind of their story, and, and they're very, uh, Richard's very humble about it in a funny way. <laughs> you know, he's um, very uh, aware that his gift for songs and songwriting comes from a lot of places, comes from his father, comes from Walt Disney, comes from his brother, um, and he's he's uh, surprisingly, delightfully humble about it all. And you mentioned the job of a storyteller. So Richard and his brother would tell these stories through song, and you're now telling stories through documentaries, and you've worked on several these past years, Waking Sleeping Beauty to the recent PBS special on Walt Disney. Can you walk me through a process of creating a documentary? Because it just seems a far cry from actually making an animated film, <laughs> because that just seems like a whole, totally new, different ballpark. Yeah, it is. I think I've uh, made most of my career making animated films and uh, have loved every minute of it and and will always hope to do that. Um, But I think like anyone, as you grow and progress in life, you want to try new things. And one of the things I have been really interested in lately is documentaries. Um, I love history. I love telling stories. And it's a natural fit then to say, well, let's put together um, a story and and tell it on film. And and part of it is... is, um, a little bit of it is wanting to share stories and give a voice to people who may not normally uh, have a voice. Uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty was a little bit that way. Let's give a voice to the animators and the people in the engine room who really make these movies work and you never get to see. Um, I made a movie a couple years ago um, called High Ground about veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, giving a voice to uh, you know people who really have served their country and now need a um, you know, need a, a, a way to tell their story. So I love that. I love the opportunity to take my skills from um, working with so many great people at, at um, the studio on animation and be able to turn that a little bit and, um, and tell stories on film that are real, you know, that are uh, not fictional. Um, so that's been a real challenge, and, and I love it because in a, in a fictional story, you can craft it. You can throw things out. You can put things in. But in a documentary you're bound by facts and you can uh, lay out those facts in a different order, but you're bound by what really happened. Um, And a lot of times you don't know what really happened. So a a lot of what I love about it is the treasure hunt of trying to find out, well, what, what is it about Richard Sherman that made his songs work? What is it about his brother that made him really an interesting uh, lyricist? Um, So that kind of treasure hunt uh, is really interesting to me too. And then putting that in the form of a film where you can say, okay, here's, a film like Waking Sleeping Beauty, 
and have people see it and go, really, that's what happened? I had no idea. You know, That's a real thrill as a filmmaker to be able to share a piece of history uh, that maybe was an intimate piece of history for myself or someone. And what was the most surprising thing that you found in the archives while making this specific documentary on Richard? You know, I think for Richard Sherman, I, we all know he was Disney music, but I was surprised and uh, pretty thrilled to, to find out all the other music he had written, especially early in his life. You know, his first big hit was um, uh, it was for um, Gene Autry. So here in the 50s, he's writing a country-western song that Gene Autry sings. Um, it called uh, Gold Can Buy You Anything But Love. And so they had a big hit with that. And, and also how much they wrote for Annette Funicello. Um, and, and how many, you know, Richard wrote a lot of songs without his brother. He wrote songs um, like Christmas in New Orleans that um, Louis Armstrong sang. Um, so they have this big body of work outside of Disney. And then Walt started to listen to their songs that they had written for Annette um, and said, oh, these guys are interesting. Let's bring them in and try them out. And it was, they were kind of short order cooks for Walt, you know, for a while. Anyway, they would, Walt would say, yeah, I'm making this movie called Parent Trap and here's what I'd like to hear and here's what I'm thinking about. And they would just come in with a song the next day or the next week. And, and so they were able to serve those things up. And of course, eventually Walt said, you know, how'd you guys like to work under contract? It's a very rare thing. It doesn't exist really in Hollywood anymore. Uh, there's no con- contract songwriters at studios. It was a very unique time in Hollywood history that the Shermans would be there for eight or ten years and be able to write all these songs. And they were just down the hall, literally a few hundred yards from Walt's office. So he could call them down and just say, hey, I'm doing this thing with tiki birds, and I'm not quite sure what it is. Can you help me with a song? Or I have this general electric pavilion for the World's Fair. Can you help me with a song? And um, I, That's a bad Walt Disney impression, but you, you, know, you get the idea that he really relied on these guys to musicalize so many of his ideas. Um, so, uh, you know, gifted guys in the right place at the right time, a huge background of American songwriting from their father, and then they're put in the midst of one of the most... Um, amazing times with one of the most amazing talents of the 20th century Walt Disney and I think that's uh, that's where you get Richard Sherman. And when I first saw the trailer for this documentary I was ecstatic to see that Broadway performer Ashley Brown was going to join in and Juliana Hansen and the Barbershop Quartet they're going to be performing the Sherman Brothers songs from their repertoire with Richard. That's so exciting because I love seeing Richard perform but it's one thing to see it in a documentary and another to see him perform it live. Now you had the honor of of being there almost every day on set, I'm, I'm assuming. What is that experience like to you when you see Richard perform? It's, uh, you know, terrific, as you would expect, but it's, um, <laughs> it, it, I, I always love seeing him perform because it just comes out of him. Um, uh, he's, again, very humble about it and, and says, gee, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a singer, and that's, we know that, that's fine, uh, but there's something about hearing him sing, sing that's very um, sweet and warm and uh, sincere and authentic and right from the heart. Um, but he, when we talked about it, I went over to his house many, many times just to kind of hatch the, the program. And it's an hour-long program. And um, it, 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 I not only wanted him to play his songs, I wanted him to tell the stories behind his songs. So every song uh, starts out with a, uh, just a recap of where he was and how this you know, idea came about. Um, 
And then we started talking about some of the songs, and he said, you know, it'd be great to get someone to sing this ballad, because, um, you know, I can sing it, but it's a, it's a beautiful song, like Feed the Birds from uh, Mary Poppins. Uh, maybe we can get Ashley Brown. So I, I know Ashley, and I emailed her, actually, and I said, Ashley, we have this thing, and I, I'm thinking about pulling Richard into the studio. Would you do it? And she said, yep, I'm there. And the same with Juliana Hansen, who's played Jasmine um, in the Aladdin stage show at Disneyland for many, many, many months. And um, she said, yep, I'm there. I'll help out. Uh, and there's the Barbershop Quartet in the piece, whose uh, members sing regularly on Main Street at Disneyland as part of the Dapper Dans of Disneyland. Um, same thing. You know, I, I called them up and said, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this kind of tribute show to Richard. He's playing a songbook. But there's some of his songs, like We're Your Friends from Jungle Book or Fortuosity from Happiest Millionaire. That'd be sure great to have, you know, somebody sing it with him. Um, they were there in a heartbeat. And I think that's what makes this show so fun because it's kind of a Richard Sherman and Friends show. And uh, like myself uh, and like you, you know, we all love him and love to hear him sing, but it's also nice to have these great performers of uh, the theater come in and sing with him on some of his numbers. So um, that was a treat, and I got a chance to produce and direct this show. And I'm I'm not a variety show director by any means. I, I you know, I direct films and, and documentaries, but, um, you know, here I am on a soundstage. We rented a soundstage that Frank Sinatra uh, owned at one time long ago. So it's a historic soundstage, Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. Uh, we roll in a piano. We bring in the lights. We bring in Richard, and it's like magic. He sits down at the piano and, um, and plays these songs, and we were able to capture it all. And that was my dream. That's how it all started out, which is to say, you know, if you had, if you had a, a chance to spend an hour with Irving Berlin or a chance to spend an hour with Picasso and watch him paint and ask him questions, would you do it? And, and of course you would. You would want to. You would want to bring him in and, and ask him questions and have him talk and capture that. And to me, this is exactly the same thing. So this dream comes true for me and that little boy in the, uh, in the back of the Mercury station wagon in his pajamas who first saw Jungle Book um, <laughs> was, had to keep pinching himself, you know, because here I am and I kept thinking, you know, Life is amazing, how it turns us around and puts us together in interesting ways. And here I am, uh, you know, able to work with Richard and, uh, and, you know, honored and thrilled and tickled and you name it to be able to do it. So it's a great experience. And also, you've been doing a couple of um, panels this past year for Black Cauldron, Emperor's New Groove, Goofy Movie. You really bring out the animators and the directors and their enthusiasm for doing these projects. And, and I can only imagine how much fun Richard had working on this documentary. Why do you think it is important to really represent these films that maybe, you know, didn't get the amount of success or, or the recognition or these individuals who didn't get the recognition in past years, why do you think it's important now to bring that up, bring those subjects up again, and reintroduce them to a new generation? Well, I partially I do it because it's fun and they're friends, so it's nice to get together again. But I think the big reason is uh, time changes uh, perceptions, and you know we forget that Fantasia, even Pinocchio, was kind of a box office disappointment when it came out. And it's hard to imagine now. You go, really, Pinocchio? But it, it was. And, um, and Fantasia was kind of a flop when it came out. Um, so time changes our perception of those things. And um, what I love to do is um, continue the dialogue about movies 
whether they're Disney movies or not, but to, uh, bring the filmmakers in and talk about them because, uh, you know, maybe a movie didn't do well at the box office or maybe it wasn't the right weekend or it snowed it in New York and nobody went to the movies. Who knows? But um, every movie has something interesting about it. Every movie has something special about it. And sometimes movies become um, you know, tremendous kind of cult favorites. Uh, in Nightmare Before Christmas is a good example of that. It did, did well. It did okay. But it wasn't a box office smash at all when it came out. Um, and people liked it, but it was kind of odd. And they said, oh, it's Tim Burton, there's these puppets. And, and now you can fill the Hollywood Bowl with people singing all the songs and you know joining in, and, and it's a cult favorite. And, and Prisoner Groove is actually turning into that, too. There's, when we did our panel discussion at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, um, you know, the audience is full of people who know all the words and know all the songs and know all the punchlines that Kronk says. And so you have these these movies that... Um, you know, have a variety of backgrounds, but over time, people come back to them, and they come back again and again. So I, I love doing that. As a, I, I do host a lot of panels because I love it. I enjoy it. Um, I'm not a historian. You know, there's so many great um, film historians out there. So many amazing uh, people like Leonard Maltin or John Kanemaker or Charles Solomon who know the details of animation or filmmaking. Um, I'm not that guy, but I, I think uh, in another life I had my own talk show or something. I really love bringing people together and saying, well, how did you do this? And what were you thinking when this happened? Um, it, partially for selfish reasons, because I'm really curious about it. So it's fun to sit there and, uh, you know, sometimes with great friends and to be able to talk about it. And, you know, we did this year with um, uh, Rescuers Down Under. I hosted a panel, and it's 25 years old, and there's some amazing moments in that movie and um you know films i uh, you know i know you've hosted people that worked on atlantis and next year is its 15th anniversary and i'm, I'm such a wait. big fan <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i know and i can't wait to sit down with some of the people in that movie and i produced it so i know the i know every detail about that movie but um we'll have to have you think... back on the show to talk about that specifically because i'm oh, such yeah. a huge fan <laughs> no it's good and but i'm glad you do that and part of the, the reason i love what you do is you you pull out these stories, and uh, you know they're fascinating. But they they shine a light on on people and films and voices um, that you may not hear every day. You know we hear we hear a lot about Frozen, let's say, and rightly so. It's a cool movie. It's great. The songs are great, and you can get that every day. So no harm. That's a great thing. But it's so fun to hear about Atlantis or about New Groove or about um, you know Aristocats or you know something that maybe is a little <laughs> niche film that is still a wonderful jewel in the Disney canon of films, uh, and I love doing that. Well, now let's end the show with some Disney-themed questions, because, of course, you must be a Disney fan yourself, because you <laughs> love some of the older films, and I do, too. So let's start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of those that you always loved to watch over and over again? Um, 101 Dalmatians. Uh, you have to remember, as a child, we didn't have uh, DVD or videos, so we had to wait till it came out in the theater, and and that was cool because every seven or eight years the movie would come back in the theaters, and we would be first in line to go see it. So, movies like Dalmatians or Jungle Book were really the movies I grew up on. And our goofy question: What Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Wow, um, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, I always had a. Had, had, I always felt like Cogsworth would be a good friend. He's a little bit of a worrywart and, and a fuss budget. 
Um, but I, you know, I always liked Cogsworth a lot. I thought I would be able to calm him down a little bit, uh, and, you know, and it would be good. Um, but, but I also like, I also like characters that are maybe not the most, uh, uh, you know, heroic in the world, like Kronk, um, <laughs> but I think would be a great friend, uh, you know, and he's not a hero. He's kind of a sidekick to Yzma in Emperor's New Groove. But uh, what a cool guy to hang out with. And, and, of course, in real life, Patrick Warburton, who does that voice, is the coolest guy on the planet to hang out with. So maybe that's <laughs> a little bit why I feel that way. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> and our Mickey question, if I ask you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Um, wow. I, I, uh, <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast ballad comes to mind. And I don't know why. I just uh, have tremendous uh, affection for Howard Ashman and Alan Menken because I've worked with them a lot, of course. Uh, that song was very special and a special time in my life. Uh, you know, we're, I'm working on a new Beauty and the Beast right now with Emma Watson and that special. So that song has a lot of um, kind of emotional impact in my life. And it's a beautiful song. And Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson sang it beautifully when the film came out. And uh, it's one that I, I hold close to my heart. Well, I have to thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about Richard M. Sherman, Songs of a Lifetime. It already premiered on the 17th, but keep checking your TV listings. And we will also be posting on our social media pages with more information about where you can also view the documentary. Thank you again, Don, for coming on the show. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back for Atlantis Talk and Emperor's New Groove because I'm such a post-Disney Renaissance fan. So thank you for your time and um, the best of luck on your upcoming documentary uh, being released. I'm, I'm very excited for it. <laughs> thanks, Tammy, and thanks for all you do. It's always great to um, listen to your shows and, and, and your enthusiasm about all the cool stuff at Disney that I'm enthusiastic about. So it's great. Great to be here. moment of triumph approaches. <laughs> it's dinner time. 